warm welcome to every one of you. Please continue to pray for our nation. This is a significant time, not simply because our beloved Queen has passed away and we now have a king, but I think it's a time of change in the nation. And as that prophetic word said, God requires change. And I believe God wants to turn the heart of this nation back to himself. God wants to heal this nation of its backsliddenness, of its waywardness. And God wants to restore a God consciousness to this land. And we are key to that. And we need to be faithful in continuing to pray for our nation. I want to share with you this morning on this title, Growth Begins with Sowing. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about growth requires change, and I'm kind of developing a bit of a a theme here. Everything starts with a seed. Ever thought about that? Scripture tells us in Genesis 1 verse 11, the land, God said, let the land have seed-bearing plants and trees that bear fruit with seed in it according to their varieties. The seed carries the potential of life. Our queen has sown into this nation for the last 70 years. And we're just beginning to realize the fruit that has come from her remarkable life. Janice and I, along with Andrew and Claire, a few weeks ago visited somewhere just outside of Basingstoke called The Vine. I think you've ever been there, a National Trust Centre. And in the grounds of The Vine is this oak tree that is 650 years of age. Um, Henry VIII is reported to have visited it. It's a great specimen. It's still growing. It's propped up by metal bits and pieces but it's pretty hollow inside, but it's still growing. And there was a guy by the name of William John Shute who owned the vine around the uh, Georgian period, and somebody offered him 100 guineas for this tree, a timber merchant, because he thought it would be pretty useful to create or to carve whatever, and he refused to sell it. And it's called today the 100-guinea oak tree. But you know that oak tree started from a single acorn. And the Bible teaches us a very, very important principle when it simply says this, you will always harvest what you sow. Or in the older version, whatever a man or woman sows, that shall he or her reap. And the Bible gives us this amazing principle because it's a life principle that all of us can learn by and live by because it's filled with wisdom. So if you want to grow an oak tree, plant an acorn. If you want to grow a business, sow money into your vision. If you want to grow an economy, then sow into a workforce by creating jobs because the size of your workforce determines the size of your growth and productivity. If you want to grow a family, find a wife. Or a husband. It's pretty simple, really. But it's a life principle that we all recognize and understand. Do you know an apple has about eight seeds in it? Do you know how many apples are in every seed? It's impossible to count. The potential is enormous. 
And I want to turn us to a verse of scripture in John chapter 12 this morning, and it simply says this, John 12, verse 24. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whenever Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he's literally saying, pin back your ears and listen. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. Well, the NIV says, Verily, verily, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Just think about this verse for a moment. First of all, we have what I call the condition of unless. The word unless that Jesus uses is, he uses it often in the New Testament. And in the Greek language, when it comes at the beginning of a sentence, it anticipates a negative response. Let me just point out a few passages in the Bible. Okay, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. Jesus also said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus also said, no one can come to the Father unless, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And Jesus also said, just before he returned to heaven, unless I go away, the comforter of the Holy Spirit will not come. It's a very important word, because it emphasizes that unless there is change, unless something happens in your life, you will not receive the blessing, the benefit, the promise that God has for all of his creation. It's a condition. And unless the condition of a seed changes, it will remain alone. This is about breakout. Now, we all package our lives in the way we want them to be seen kind of hairstyle that you fancy having, or whether you grow a beard, or the clothes that you wear. We all package our lives in the way in which we would like to present ourselves. In a few weeks' time, you will be packaging presents for Christmas. Perish the thought. It will come soon enough. And some of you will package them perfectly with a beautiful ribbon. You will make sure every corner is correctly folded in and you will have some lovely paper, colourful, expressing whatever you want to express. There will be others of you who will be more eco-friendly. You will pack your presents in brown paper because you want to save the planet. But you'll be equally diligent about your packaging. John Maxwell said this, he said, God's gift to me is my potential. My gift back to God is what I do with that potential. What are you doing today with the potential of your life? Too many Christians live packaged lives, never unwrapping the potential that God placed within them. And Jesus simply says, unless the potential of the seed that is placed within you is unpacked, it will remain alone. Nothing happens until the seed is planted. 
Now, we can all talk and pray about evangelism. We can all talk about people coming to Jesus. We can pray about people coming to Jesus. We did it this week in the week of prayer. But unless we sow into people's lives the truth of the gospel, they will never come to Christ. No matter how fervently and diligently we might pray, unless we sow the seed of the gospel into people's lives, they will never come to Christ. Because Paul says, how are they going to come unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless somebody is sent to tell them? When the seed is planted, it changes. And the moment of breakout takes place and growth begins to happen. So what seeds are you planting at this time? Do you know our thoughts are like seeds? Charles Reed, the English novelist of the early 1800s, he said this, he said, sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. We are richly blessed in this church by the music that is brought to us. Now, this young man, Andrew, is very, very gifted. But I can remember when he was a little boy, sitting at the piano with him with tears as I sewed into him what his piano teacher taught him week by week. Oh, both, I think. But the fruit of that sowing is seen today in the way we are blessed with the gift that Andrew has that he uses for the glory of God. And many of you will understand that with your children. You sow so much into them and then when they reach the maturity, you look at what you've sown and you enjoy the fruit that comes from their lives. Thoughts are like seeds. Every thought is the seed of an action. What is sown in the mind is reaped in action. The Bible warns us about keeping our minds pure. The Bible says this, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honourable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him. Paul also says in Romans, he says, everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. So you need to guard what you watch on TV. You need to guard what you watch on YouTube. You need to guard what you receive through online information. Because we need to protect our minds. Because from our minds come thoughts that are like seeds. David said in Psalm 103, I refuse to look at anything that is vile or vulgar. Not only our words like seeds, but our thoughts, but our words are like seeds. So what are you sowing with your words? What are the things that come from your lips on a daily basis? What words do you sow into your marriage? What words do you sow into your family? What words do you sow into your business? What words come out from you in everyday life? Are they words of trust or mistrust? 
Are they words of kindness or unkindness? Are they words of peace or anxiety? Are they words of forgiveness or unforgiveness? You know, once a word is spoken, it can never be erased or taken back. And David prayed this. He said, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, words and thoughts, may they be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He also said, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Unless we live according to God's word, we will end up in a spiritual mess. There's a condition for the seed to be effective. But also we find that Jesus speaks about a call to be selfless unless a kernel of wheat or a seed dies. There's a massive issue about identity in our culture today. Social media is very often all about putting personal information out there. Do you get these kind of messages from people? You know, telling you what they've done or where they're going or who they've met with. It's all about telling everybody about me. And if you get likes, then that's even better. Now, if Jonah lived in the day of mobile phones, this is what would have happened. Oh, I must get a selfie of this. When King Charles arrived at Buckingham Palace the other day, he arrived in the Royal Rolls Royce. He and Camilla got out and they started walking among the crowds. I don't know if you saw it on television. And there was a guy next to him. He looked Indian with a lovely beard like mine. And people were holding their phones and he was pushing them down. And I believe he said, enjoy the moment. We are so preoccupied with self. Oh, I must get a picture of me with the king. Following Jesus is not about promoting yourself. A person wrapped up in themselves, they say, is a small package. Sowing your life for the cause of Jesus means that you die to yourself. Jesus said this. He said, if you choose self-sacrifice, if you choose giving your life up for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will lose what you try to keep. And Jesus lived what he said. Because he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus told us, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up a cross. And in New Testament times, when you saw somebody carrying a cross, you knew exactly where they were going. They were going to be crucified. Following Jesus is about being unselfish. It's being other-centered. It's about living to make a difference by the love of God. 
Jesus said on another occasion, give and it will be given unto you. And he didn't only mean that so far as money is concerned, but he meant giving your life away. Dying to yourself. Sowing your life for the good of others. That's the way to receive. And our queen did that in the 70 years of her reign. She constantly sowed her life for the good of others. And even to the very end, she was prepared to meet the new prime minister and welcomed her into that new role, constantly giving her life away for the good of others. Why? Because she said, ultimately, I want to serve the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no better way to live your life than to die to yourself so that you might live for the glory of God. Paul said this, didn't he? He said, I, I die daily so that others can receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, when God calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. And also the scripture says that unless the kernel of wheat is planted in the ground and dies, it remains alone. That word alone in the Greek is the word mono. You've heard of mono and stereo, haven't you? Some of us can remember when stereo was introduced. It was wonderful. The sound started on this side of the room and it travelled right across to the other side. It was really exciting. I remember having a record of a bus and it started up over here and went right across the room. Wonderful. Some of you haven't a clue what I'm talking about. But before that, it was mono. All the same stuff came out of the same speakers. And Jesus said, if you live a mono life, you will be fruitless. Unless you die, you remain single and alone. You see, God designed us to be fruitful by living our lives for his glory. So there's a condition unless there's a call to be selfless, to die, but just one final thing that Jesus brings out of this verse is the certainty of fruitfulness. Because he said, when this seed is planted in the ground and dies, its death will produce many more seeds or many more lives. Did you know it's time to start planting now? The writer to the Ecclesiastes said, if you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never plant anything or harvest anything. If you wait until it's right to tell your friends about Jesus, well, you might miss the opportunity. If you wait to live for Jesus when it's a more convenient time, you will miss the opportunity. Some of you missed the opportunity this week to join us and pray. I don't know why, but you did. And the thing with opportunity, it only comes once. And if you don't grab it, it's past, and you don't get it again. Jesus promises us fruitfulness if we're willing to sow in every season. A seed is always ready to be planted. It doesn't say, well, sorry, I'm not ready today. Wait another couple of months. A seed is always ready. Its potential is always waiting to be released. And the writer to the Ecclesiastes says again, do your planting in the morning and in the evening too. You never know whether it will grow well or whether one planting will do better than another. God promises us fruitfulness if we're willing to sow.
Look at what Paul said. That God gives seed to the farmer to plant. And later, on good crops, he receives a great harvest and enables him to eat. Will he not give you much more seed to plant and make it grow so that you can give away much more fruit from your harvest? You see, the promise of fruitfulness is always in the seed. In 1922, there was a man by the name of Howard Carter. And he was obsessed with opening the tombs of many of the Egyptian kings and mummies. And he opened the tomb of Tutankhamun in the Valley of Kings. And in that tomb, of course, there, there were lots of treasures, but in that tomb, they found some beans that were 3,000 years old. And they took some of these beans that were 3,000 years old and they planted them, and this was the result. What's the lesson? It's simply this. You are never too old to be fruitful. Don't say I'm past it. Don't say somebody else can do it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've lived for Jesus. All the time you've got breath, you can still be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And growth comes by sowing the seed. For this church to grow, we've got to embrace change, but we've got to be people who sow the gospel of the love of Jesus into the hearts and lives of those who do not know. God has called each one of us to be fruitful and the Holy Spirit guarantees we will be fruitful. And Jesus said this, those who remain in me will produce much fruit. May God help us to see his fruit in the coming days. God bless you.